before we get into uh, scripture, uh, just wanted to share a little story with you about how I came to share the word today. Bear with me here as I try to get my mic there. There we go. A little bit better. Um, it was about four months ago I stepped into this new position that I have here, and uh, I'll carry it. Uh, and uh, about that time, I started to uh, feel that the Holy Spirit was working in my life. I, this message just kept resonating, you know, in my heart about, you know, you need to talk to people about service. You know, and it just, just kept kind of brewing and brewing, and I just kind of felt a little bit called. And then, I don't know, it was about a month ago, I, I mentioned something to... Uh, Noel about, you know, maybe I'm being called to come up and give a message one day. And uh, I have this, this thing about service on my heart. And uh, he says, well, you know, pray about that. And that was another week later. I'm, I'm sitting in a staff meeting with Adam and David and Karen Louise. And, and Adam says, you know, hey, I'm going on vacation for three weeks. You know, I didn't get the short straw. Okay. Um, but, uh, you know, Noel said you might be interested in uh, giving the word. I says, well, I'll, I'll pray about it. And, uh, and so I asked him, I says, well, Adam, what is the subject of the service? He says, well, it's from Acts 6, verses 1 through 7. It's about service. Okay. I get it. So... I told Adam I'd do it, and so here I am today. And uh, happy to, to bring this message, and uh, I know Lily's feeling a little bit anxious about this, so if she happens to pass out or faint, so there's smelling salts back in the uh, welcome center there. So anyway, um, there's a couple of logistics I need to take care of really quick. Um, this, I'm kind of out of my comfort zone. I don't normally like getting up and talking in front of people. I can, you know, I'd be much happier back in that back room. I'd like to be talking Excel spreadsheets, but, um, you know, sometimes we have to be bold in our faith, right? And uh, so there's a couple of logistics I have to take care of. One of them is I am a little bit nervous because I haven't done this before. And so I like to walk around because it helps ease that nervous a little bit, but I've been told that it, I can only go six feet. So I'm gonna put a little piece of tape down here to keep me, keep me in line. Now, if I go past this, let me know because it drives those guys nuts back there, so, okay? And I'm gonna lose this thing here. I guess I don't have big enough ears. Okay. working? How's that? Okay. Now the other thing is, I told Lisa Hubdi that I'm going to try to keep this sermon under 90 minutes. <laughs> so Larry, can you lock the back doors? Oh, well, maybe that's a 
safety violation, maybe we don't want to do that. Uh, just have the ushers stand by the doors to keep everybody here. Okay, great. So if you wouldn't mind standing, and we'll begin reading the word. And maybe I'll only go this far, okay? Great. Today we'll be reading from Acts 6, 1 through 7, the choosing of the seven. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered and all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom, and we will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. So this proposal pleased the whole group, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. And so the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Let us pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, we pray that our hearts will receive your message today and that our lives will be changed forever. Thank you, Lord of all you have done, and we ask that you would bless our service here today. Amen. So just briefly, I'd like to put things in a little bit of historical context of kind of what's going on. Here we have the church, and I'm going to talk loud without the mic, and hopefully you can hear me. So we have this new church, and the Holy Spirit had descended on the region, and it was growing and expanding rapidly. Like 8,000 new people came to Christ in this very short period of time. But at this time, we had 12 of the apostles that were a little busy, you know, in jail, getting beaten up, detained by the Jewish leaders, and, and then in the distance, there's this grumbling in part of the church. It's one group of the church. Now, has anybody here ever grumbled? No. Well, who, who hasn't grumbled? <laughs> Jesus knows your heart. But I will ask those who have grumbled, let's bow our heads for just a moment. Okay? Lord Jesus, come before you, Lord. Confess our sin of grumbling. Lord, help us to not grumble anymore. We ask for your mercy and your grace, Lord. We ask this in your precious name. Amen. Grumbling. No big deal. You know, just a little bit of discontent. Right? Let me tell you about grumbling. When people start to grumble, it festers. And 
the devil starts to work in people's lives to say, hey, I'm not happy here. And that festering continues and then wrongly becomes not only discontent, becomes starts to become very critical in how people treat each other. And then it can start to manifest itself into anger. And then before you know it, Boom! You have to have a split in the church. We did here about 20 years ago. Rumbling. Not a good thing. Okay, so here are the disciples. They're preoccupied. They got a lot on their plate. But they also know they have a responsibility. Because it was part of Jewish law to make sure that widows and the needy were taken care of. Yes. But their spiritual gift of preaching and teaching and healing, this new movement was critical. to their movement. Can you imagine the early church, all of a sudden, they split? I'm not sure we would have, they would have survived. So they were wise enough to say, we need to deal with this. So they empowered the people to gather and select seven among them with three criteria. They needed to be men of good report. They needed to be full of the Holy Spirit. And they needed to be full of wisdom. So these seven took on the responsibility to handle this distribution. Now you have these two marginalized groups. You have the Aramaic Jews, we'll call them the locals. And then you have the Hellenistic Jews, We'll call those the Jews of the suburbs, okay? Now, fundamentally, culturally, I was, they're all Jews, but they're, they're totally different. You have the Hellenistic Jews that have adopted Greek culture. In fact, they speak Greek. Aramaic, Aramaic Jews, they speak Aramaic. So right there in itself, He's got all the cultural differences, but when they chose these seven, and I'm not saying this is why they chose those particular seven, but they all had Greek names. If you're a marginalized and disenfranchised group, that would speak loudly in trying to bring some reconciliation within the early church to make sure that we didn't lose focus and let this thing escalate into something that could have been terrible. The apostles were very wise in these people they chose. And so these, the uh, seven that were chosen 
They gathered, they started to handle the responsibility. Anytime there was any discord, they were able to work through it, and the people were very happy. And the harmony was then restored to the early movement of the church. Praise God for that. And praise God for the wisdom of those 12 to handle that situation. So now I'm going to switch gears a little bit. Um, you know, COVID personally impacted every one of us, but it really had an impact on our worship. You know, we used to be a congregation of about 150 people, and it dwindled down into the 70s when we came back after being secluded in our homes and doing uh, the church in the parking lot and doing Zoom. And I mean, it was devastating. People moved away. Um, it's hard to recover from that. And when we came back together, things were a little bit disjointed. And um, so we came up with kind of a plan here that we're going to try to regroup, refocus, and try to get ourselves lined back up in terms of ministry and service within our church. So over the past few months, I've been asked, working with all of ministry leaders. By the way, do you guys know how many ministries and committees we have here at Maple Park? Any, any guess? Well, that's 40 and growing, but that, that speaks very highly for the amount of service we have in this church. In fact, just in people leading these ministries, a third of our congregation is involved in leading. And then when you add up all the other people that get involved, whether, you know, it's greeting or it's the, 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 the fellow home fellowships, you know, there's so many different uh, ministries. Uh, you know, our Sunday school classes. Um, it's, it's just absolutely amazing to see how everyone in this church is engaged in our church. And to me, that's a sign of a healthy church. People come here to serve. There's another thing that I'm not sure you guys are aware of. Maybe you are a little bit. I mean, I've been picking up on it. And that is, you look out in our foyer before and after the service. Especially after the service. You know, you guys never go home. <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, there's the one group of seven. They're welcoming in the Chinese church about two hours later. I mean, it's amazing. I see the smiles on people's faces. It's, it's amazing. The Holy Spirit is alive in this church. I don't know if you guys recognize it, but we're in a revival here. You know, we do these friendship registers each week. And I take those and I record those. And the list of names in that friendship register and that list that I have is now up to 155 people. And we just started that a couple months ago. 155 people are coming back to Maple Park to visit and worship. That's amazing. 
So good job, Maple Park. So now I'm going to say, well, hey, why do people serve? I'm going to tell you anyway. Okay. I have to go back to my notes because I couldn't memorize everything. So the first reason... Thanks, Alyssa. The first reason is to grow in our relationship with Christ. Now, when someone volunteers to serve in a ministry or a committee, they're surrounded by other believers that can continue to encourage and strengthen their walk with the Lord. They're seeing and they're hearing the gospel is lived out every day. The second reason, it helps them to discover their purpose and be fulfilled. When you serve, you give up your time and your energy for someone else. You get emotionally and spiritually recharged. It gives meaning to your life as a servant in Christ, and you find fulfillment in the needs of others above yourselves. We, three, we use our skills and talents from the kingdom. How many people in here completed the spiritual gifts exercise Adam gave us the other day, a few weeks ago? Anybody complete that? Well, that's your first homework assignment. Spiritual gifts. It's good to discover, discover not only your spiritual gifts, but to use those gifts to glorify God. It's an opportunity for each of you volunteers that have incredible skills and talents and abilities that God has given them and taken and to move forward and share those gifts with the rest of us. Number four, obedience to Jesus. In Mark 9.35, Jesus sat down and called the twelve he said to them, if anyone be first, he, may, he must be last of all and servant of all. Jesus commands us to serve others. When we volunteer to serve in our church, in our neighborhood, in our community, we're being obedient to what Jesus has called us all to do. Number five, to follow Jesus' example. Philippians 2, 5 through 7. Have a mind among yourselves, which is in ours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Now God sent his son to be the ultimate servant. We, when we volunteer to serve, we're following the very example that Jesus set us, set for us, giving of ourselves before other people. And six, to join in the mission of the church. Do we all know the mission here at Maple Park? It's really clear. It comes from Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father 
and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. When we volunteer, we obey this command to love one another and put others before ourselves, not to be served, but to, be, but to serve. And there's one other reason why people like to serve, and that is simply from the joy of serving. You know, I've seen it with the fellowship events group when they planned the, the uh, fundraiser event. Those people had a great time. There was sheer joy, and the outcome was, it was tremendous. And this past couple weeks, Eric, Erickson and I have been out here kind of working on this little kiosk for the food thing, and we've had a blast. Yes, we've had to bring in consultants sometimes to tell us when we're wrong, but that's okay. Nancy and Sandy are very understanding. Um, but the best thing about it is, Eric and I are still talking to each other. <laughs> right? So now, let's talk a little bit about your homework. Oh, by the way, how's my pace? Do I need to pick it up? Will I be done in the next few minutes here? So what can we do? Well, I got some good news for you. This homework, believe it or not, you have till the rest of your life to complete it. That's a deal, isn't it? But it even gets better. There's a trophy, there's a prize. You know, for that day when we're called home and we stand before Jesus and he welcomes home this good and faithful servant. That's the prize to spend eternity with our Lord and Savior. So hey, you're getting homework, but you got a long time to do it. But remember the prize, okay? So, first part of your homework, let's pray. Continue to pray. We want to pray for our ministry leaders and our committee leaders here at our church. It's a lot of hard work. Some people put inordinate amount of hours into their service. They're not looking for the personal affirmation. They're, they're here for the reasons I mentioned before, but let's pray for them, that they would be strengthened. They would, they would persevere through the tough times. I'd ask you also to pray for all these ministries that are in need of people to come take, take the leadership role. Get involved. Get involved in the ministry here at Maple Park. There's lots of opportunities. If you're not already plugged in, And uh, I th would also pray for that you would discover your spiritual gifts and that you would be able to share them here at Maple Park. Now the next thing in your homework is encourage. 
when you're walking around in the foyer and you see people serving or you know that are serving, take time to just say thank you and tell them that you appreciate their efforts. I know people say it to me, that, that part of that affirmation, it's uplifting. What we don't want to do is we don't want to start grumbling, right? When we start grumbling, we're going to start to criticize because my way is better than their way. We don't want to do that. If you have issues, take it directly to the person. But most importantly, provide constructive feedback. And leaders, be receptive. Seek constructive feedback. It will make your ministry better. It'll make you a better leader. But let's not be critical of each other. We're, we're, we're all volunteers. No, nobody's getting paid for this, right? Can't fire them. They're called because they've been blessed with a spiritual gift. This is their calling. Let's lift them up in high esteem. Now here comes some of the tough ones in your homework. Teach. It's part of our commandment, right? Now, last time I checked, I was told I was a prime timer. You know what a prime timer is? It's a, it's a person that's in the prime time of their life, right? We are getting older. Believe it or not, it's time to pass the torch to a new generation. Young people, pay attention. Listen, be receptive. But how do we teach? Well, I figured the easiest way to teach, because maybe not our spiritual gift, is we model behavior. You know, I'm very fortunate. Um, I'm, a, I'm the son of a, I'm a baby boomer. I'm a son of the greatest generation. And why was that the greatest generation? Because my parents and my grandparents, they sacrificed and they served. And just an example of, from my childhood is, I remember my father, he, my, my dad owned a logging company. And if you know anything about logging, it's a really, really tough uh, way to make a living. You're up at four o'clock in the morning a lot, and you don't come home until about six o'clock. It's hard physical work. But I remember my dad, and this was back in the late 50s, he made a point to get involved in his community. He served on a school board up in Smoky Point, Lakewood School District. And he, along with four other gentlemen, were instrumental in bringing a brand new school to that area. That wasn't easy, but that was a, a sacrifice of serving his community to help the better good. Another example I have is from my grandmother. Now my grandmother, she lived a tragic life. She'd been widowed three times. In fact, my mom's dad was shot and killed before she was born. She married his brother, and they had two other children. 
And one of those children was hit by a truck and killed out in front of their house up in Smoky Point. And then her second husband passed away, and she married her third husband, and unfortunately he passed away in 1955. She's still relatively young. But my grandmother got involved, and she started to go to Fircrest, a hospital for disabled children, and she took care of a little boy that was blind and deaf for years, and she was in her 80s. But I think of those two examples of great role models for me in my upbringing about service. So teaching, you don't have to espouse it, you have to live it. We need to live our faith. We need to show this younger generation by doing it ourselves. That is the greatest way to teach a new generation. So your challenge is we need to teach. And then the fourth thing we need to do is we need to go. It's great that we serve here in this church, but guess what? There are neighbors in our community. There's a lot of hurting people out there. And when we serve that community, we're all blessed. It also, in the process of doing that, we humbly serve. We go in front of people that may have not heard the word. Now maybe we're not comfortable sharing the, the gospel, but what we can be doing is we can set that table for others to follow behind, come behind us, those evangelists to come behind and share the good news with our community and our neighbors. There's a huge opportunity. Like I talked about revival, it's not just in this church. Revival is starting to happen all over this country. Yes. The table is being set for us. Yes. We need to seize the moment. Okay. So, is my 90 minutes up yet? I was kidding about that. And I've tried really hard to stay no farther than here. Okay. So I'm going to just leave you with a little story. You probably have heard it, but it's, I think it's one of my favorite stories. And uh, it begins about uh, a story about a man who walks down to a beach. And he's looking up and down the beach and he sees all these starfish that are stranded on the sand under the hot beating sun, thousands of them. And all of a sudden he notices down the beach, a young man's doing something strange. So he starts walking toward the young man and he noticed he's picking up these starfish and throwing them back into the sea. So he walks up to the young man, he says, young man, how can you think you can make any kind of a difference throwing these starfish back into the sea? And he picks up a starfish and he hurls it into the sea and he turns back to the man and he says, well, it made a difference to that one. So Maple Park. The Lord calls us to be a beacon in the darkness. Let us be bold in our faith. 
Let's prepare that table for others to follow and let's go change the world one disciple at a time. Thank you. Let us pray. Lord Heavenly Father, thank you for your servants here today. Lord, we'd ask that you'd watch over them and strengthen them. Lord, we'd ask that you forgive us when we grumble. Remind us to be supportive of others. Lord, we ask that new generation will commit to engage in a life of servitude that will glorify you, Lord. And Lord, give us the courage to reach our neighbors and our communities so that the table we prepared will be prepared for those to hear the good news and accept you as their Lord and Savior. Amen.